Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Ben, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. Kind of. This is the Sunday, you know, for us can be. It's kind of a funny day. It's a work day and a rest day, and I'm hiding out here in my closets. We're recording. <laughs> I'm mean, recording for the first time at home, so you, the you can see me uh, with shirts behind me. But uh, it's kind of crammed in here. Normally, I'm in my office. So, how are you? Doing well. I'm not in. Uh, I'm not crammed in a closet. Fortunately, I'm in fact in my <laughs> home office. So I'm also at home. It's the first time I think we've ever recorded at night. So, um, I think it is. Yeah, it's fun though. Yeah. So you know, one thing with uh, nights is it getting colder. We've kind of been getting in the seasonal mood. You know, uh, we've been starting the wood stove up, and it just it feels like Christmas when you've got a wood stove going. If you know what I mean. <laughs> That's right. Jack Frost is sniffing at your toes and got to do something about it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So do you have <laughs> big family plans for Christmas this year, Ben? Uh, I, I don't even know. Somebody was asking me the other day. We, we have not finalized our plans yet. So just one holiday at a time. We got Thanksgiving coming up and then uh, but we, I think we will be here. So um, we always have my family uh, over on Christmas Eve, kind of extended family and um, that's always a good time. The kids like it cause they get to stay up late and they get to open presents and you know, this kind of stuff. So how about you? Uh, not too much. Uh, you know, I did get one. My mom last year bought me, so, uh, ugly Christmas with actual suit, like a uh, three piece suit. And I'm excited to wear that on our youth Christmas party. So that will be fun. You should wear it when you preach next time. That would be exciting. That'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, and, uh, so yeah, so that will be good. And we're going to just kind of enjoy time together as a family, enjoy that wood fireplace, the wood stove rather, and enjoy, you know, all the food that comes with the holidays, uh, getting fatter and fatter with it, you know? <laughs> it is a danger, man. It's funny how in Christmas time we become like Santa, right? I, I guess we become like what we worship, you know. <laughs> we become Santa and gaining all that weight and everything. And, you know, our kids uh, ask a lot of questions with Santa Claus uh, as they gear up towards the holidays. You know, they'll be watching, uh, I think even a couple of days ago, they were watching Doc McStuffins, and Santa Claus was on an episode of Doc McStuffins. Uh, and it's just kind of all around us in this Christmas season. So it's always worth talking about that topic and interacting with the message behind Santa Claus. And one tool that I found really helpful for that has actually been uh, this uh, book, uh, When Santa Learned the Gospel, Simon Camilleri. Have your kids been able to read uh, that when Santa learned the gospel yet? We've actually watched the video of, of uh, the author narrating, which he does an exceptional job. So um, that's available wherever you view videos, YouTube, I guess. Yeah, wherever videos are sold, right? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, that, you know, we are very fortunate that 
after reading that book and rereading it one once more with my kids, actually, I think one of my kids had found it in the middle of the summer this year and wanted to read through it. And I thought, you know, what if we were to ask the author to talk with us about the book and the podcast? And and we were really uh, grateful that he actually responded quickly and and willingness to do this with us. And uh, we're really appreciative of it. So without further ado, uh, I want to introduce Simon Camilleri. Uh, how are you doing today, Simon? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Uh, it might be uh, night there and cold, but it's uh, it's spring here, and it's uh, sort of the middle of the day here in Melbourne, Australia. Yes, it's our, our first, uh, not our first international guest, but our first guest from that part of the world, uh, yeah. so, and certainly oh. the coolest accent. So, <laughs> oh well, that's uh, I'll I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, if. I mean, here in the States, anybody that's got a British or an Australian accent, it just gives you uh, automatic uh, kind of a mystique about you. So, Yep. I, I, I went to the States uh, many, many years ago and I hung out with a youth group and I was having this big conversation and then one, one of the youth just stopped halfway through and said, I, I have no idea. I'm sorry, I haven't been listening to a word you're saying. I was just listening to your accent. So. <laughs> yep. It just sort of captivates us. I've heard it doesn't work the other way, though. That our American accent is not nearly as appealing. So, well, it's not. It definitely doesn't have the mystique because we are <laughs> we are flooded with with American um, sort of media and stuff like that. But we 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 do love it. And we all try and um, have our own version of American accents when we want to. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's great. So. Uh, well, anyway, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of that actually is because the, uh, the often American first mentality. And I will admit, uh, when I re- read the uh, book, I assumed it was by an American author because I'm yeah. an American and us Americans assume everything's from us. <laughs> well, it, it also uses a lot of, a lot of sort of uh, the classic tropes uh-huh. of about Santa that, that are very, you know, uh, very American and, and English and, you know, definitely not an Australian version because it's, all cold and winter and in australia our santa <laughs> pictures often he's dressed in uh you know a singlet and flip-flops and with uh you know kangaroos instead of reindeer and that sort of thing nice. so yeah <laughs> that's great so well again thank you so much simon for coming on today and uh, you know with uh learning about your book and learning some about your ministry i've actually been able to check out your blog as well uh, i'm curious uh, for the sake of our listeners could you tell us some about your ministries that you're involved in in your blog um, well, I've always been I've been involved in various ministries over the years. Um, I I love uh, theatre and graphic design, and just thinking about various creative ways of engaging our culture and and the church with with the gospel. Um, and so yeah, so this is my first book, but before that, I've written plays and done performances, and as you said write blogs and poems and sort of a yeah do a lot of a, a lot of variety of things that's great well thanks you for using your gifts to uh to get the gospel into the culture uh, i think it's, uh, it's a blessing to many so how did this book santa learn the gospel come about yeah well i think like most many christians we we grapple with how to um, how to approach the the issue of santa which is so prevalent in both of our cultures um, and, uh, you can sort of go with the whole, not tackle it at all, but it's pretty impossible to take your children to any Christmas event 
to a shopping mall, to um, you know, to their schools, things like that, without them seeing it. And um, I was uh, back in uh, 2013. I went to a Christmas carols event, and because uh, carols in Australia, or because Christmas in Australia is in summer, um, <laughs> it's often hot. And so one of the things we are a uh, very common thing to do is Christmas carols out in a park, big community carols where everyone carols by candlelight. With They come with little candles and things like that. And so I went to the local one just at our, uh, our local park, and it's a mix of, uh, you know, songs about Santa and Oh Holy Night and everything in between. And then um, – uh, but the big thing that it was all gearing up for was Santa coming, um, arriving and mm. – uh, you know, all the kids were getting excited by that. When he finally came, um, it was it was really interesting what he said. He, he went to the kids and said, um, you know, so who here has been a, a good boy or girl this year? The classic question. And all the kids raised their hands in the air and screamed, me, me, I did, you know, <laughs> of course. Uh, and then I think just to be a bit cheeky, he asked, uh, so who here has been a naughty boy or girl this year, and then just as many kids raised their hands and screamed, me, me, as well. <laughs> and he was a bit stunned and didn't know what to do and went, oh, well, I guess I guess you've tried to be good. And uh, and then subsequently started handing out presents. And and I was I was sitting there just going, wow, these what message are these kids getting from the whole Santa mythology? Um, I'd already grappled with what I thought about, you know, the issue of uh, do we tell our kids the truth and, you know, that issue of lying to our children and that sort of stuff. But that night really struck me, the the message of Santa. Yeah, it just really hit me how kids were learning this idea of that if you're good, you get presents, and if you're bad, you get coal, but we're all sort of good enough. And it just seemed like this beautiful perfect parallel to how a lot of adults think about how they relate to God. Uh, this idea that there's, you know, um, oh, well, if you're good enough, you'll get to heaven and, and but everyone's good, you know, fairly good enough. And, um, and so I think there, there's this, there was this really nice opportunity to, to play with the idea of the Santa message being uh, a workspace gospel. And, um, and instead of over the years, I'd done little, funny memes and things like that to to um, play with the idea of Santa. But this, I thought, oh, how about I, how about I be a bit generous to Santa? And what would happen if he, as a as a character, what if he actually engaged with the gospel um, and had it challenge himself? And I thought that might be a way of helping people to think about maybe their worldview, if it is a workspace worldview, um, maybe that could be a way that they get challenged and think about and get introduced to the gospel as well. So I went home and uh, I wrote a poem uh, called When Santa Learned the Gospel. And sometimes um, when you're a creative person, sometimes it's a hard slog um, and you have to do a million rewrites and sometimes it just flows and this time it just it just flowed. So in one night I wrote this poem, posted it on my, my blog, and um, just left it there and posted it up for Christmas and, and that was it. And a few people enjoyed it and didn't think much of it until the year later um, suddenly pe- uh, I reposted it just 
because it was content that I could repost. And and suddenly pe- people really responded to it then. It had like 10,000 views and people were sharing it around. And, and then I heard someone read it at their Christmas Day service and and I just and I was really surprised by that and realized that it had potentially connected with people as a as something that resonated with them um, the message of it and um, potentially as a way of starting gospel conversations they could share it around um, so from that point on I I thought oh, maybe this could be turned into a a children's book um, that was sort of the uh, yeah the hope and vision and then a few years later. Um, it wasn't until 2016 that I decided, yep, let's do it. I got in contact with a um, – I sort of stumbled upon uh, this great illustrator called um, Matthew Boutros. Um, and and so in around Christmas time uh, in November um, – yeah, November 2016, I launched a Kickstarter and um, sort of started the ball rolling with getting the book um, off the ground, not knowing – anything about publishing a book, anything about putting it together or marketing or anything like that, just knew it was a story that resonated with people and uh, wanted to produce um, something that people could give as a Christmas present or use in their churches and uh, things like that. So, yeah, it took a while, but we got there in the end. Praise the Lord that you guys did. Right. So yeah, That's a cool story. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned as a Christmas present. Uh, by the way, uh, one encouragement to readers, like this is, uh, listeners rather, <laughs> this is a surprisingly affordable uh, kids book. You know, I've been amazed. Almost every source that you guys sell them on, you guys sell them at such an affordable price where pretty much everybody can get them. And I, I think that's great that you guys do that. Well, that's that's a real credit to 10 of those who is uh, the publisher that um, – that came on board that they approached us at the end of the year after, um, after I'd sort of gotten the book together and put it out there. And then they went, Hey, look, do you want to go? Um, we'd love to take it on and take it further. And they're based in, um, the UK, uh, and they've now also based in uh, the U S. Um, but their heart is really producing gospel resources for churches, um, and for Christians at, an incredibly affordable price. So, uh, and selling things in, in bulk so that people can give them away. And, um, and so that's, that's just been wonderful to see churches buying them in bulk so that they could give them away left, you know, left, right and center. And, and it's been, yeah, just great to see. Yeah, that's great. We have plans to do that at my church as well. So, uh, uh cool. Now, I want to ask, uh, relating to the book, one thing I thought yeah. is really cool is how, you know, you really developed these really cool characters, really well-developed characters in the story, and, and how that really makes it so relatable. And it kind of begins with a fake elf that encounters the gospel. So I want to ask, so how does the gospel in that story of fake elf and real Christians have likewise found compared to Santa's naughty or nice gospel? Yeah, well, that's what the book... Um, that's what the journey that Santa goes in the story is comparing. So thinking about his own message of um, basically that if you're good, you're on the good list, uh, whatever that standard of, of that arbitrary sort of standard of goodness is. Um, and if you're good, you get a, you're on the good list and you get a present. And if you're bad, uh, you're on the naughty list and you get a lump of coal. And he thought that that's just the way the world works and um, didn't think much of it. But the gospel um, flips that upside down. So 
um, the thing he gets challenged on is that uh, those who think they're on the on the good list actually um, before a holy God, um, that no one is good but God alone, and that they are actually need to come to grips with the fact that they're actually on the naughty list, that they're we're actually all guilty before God, that all have sinned, um, and uh, you know none are righteous, not even one. But then it also flips what happens, uh, you know, the message to those who are on the naughty list that they're not just um, discarded or rejected or just given a, a lump of coal and told to do better next time, um, but they're actually welcomed and offered forgiveness. And, yeah, the message of the gospel is not one of just behaviour modification, um, threatening, you know, threatening people with hell so that they act better, um, but one where uh, Jesus comes to to die for those who deserve to go to hell um, to give them the offer of eternal life. So it's it sort of plays with that yeah. idea of flipping the whole thing upside down, um, the whole one message to the other. Amen. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you can tell you are a creative person just taking those things. And um, when I first heard about the, the book, I was like, that's an interesting take. I've never thought <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's well told. Um, so in the story, you talk about, you know, trying to be good is good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And clearly that goal is, is insufficient. But how are even church kids taught that at Christmas? Well, I think it's not just an issue at Christmas. I think it's a easy danger that church kids are taught that throughout the whole year. Um, it's very easy that our Sunday school lessons can be based around like a, a just the story who become, uh, and the focus is the character becomes a hero who you should mm-hmm. emulate rather than focusing on God and his character. And, um, and, and it becomes often uh, lessons can become morality tales. Um, I think even the, uh, the creator of VeggieTales reflected on his whole season, wondering about, oh, wait a minute, am I actually teaching the Bible or are we just teaching morality? And so I think that's a big danger uh, with all kids' ministry that to you know that it can just become um, teaching correct yeah. behaviour. And as a, as a dad of a four-year-old, I was reflecting on this and thinking about how it's actually very easy to just do it as a as a parent that. You know, you want to teach good behavior, you want to teach morality, you want to teach what's appropriate, but you need to make sure that that's not, you're, you're not teaching them uh, that they're doing it on the basis or, or that that's what makes your relationship with them right or your their relationship with God right. That our wanting to live a holy life comes as a response to the generosity of the gospel yeah. rather than a way to make ourselves right um so yeah so it's definitely a a challenge for children's ministry and a challenge for parenting as well yeah that's a good response you know at that kind of question i've always found so fascinating and and i think we'll get into different ways we can interact with chris as christian families with the whole santa uh, mythos but i think when it's presented in the way that you you're concerned as it's often presented uh, you know i always wonder how a, how a Christian's able to, on uh, December uh, 25th, uh, give their kids a bunch of gifts because they've been a good little boy or girl this year, and then December 26th, preach them the gospel because they're a bad sinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Yep. So, 
Now, do you think the doctrine of total depravity, which you allude to in your book, is appropriate for kids, especially in the Yule season? And for listeners that don't know what that means, uh, total depravity is essentially the doctrine uh, that we all are in sin and rebellion against God and on our nature. Um, uh, well, no, I think I think my general philosophy with my daughter um, is you teach the truth and you teach it in a way that is age appropriate. Um, but you don't teach one truth for when they're young and then you suddenly have a different truth when they get a bit older. Um, and so, yeah, I think the message of that we're all on the naughty list, that we all need a saviour, that we all need forgiveness, uh, is actually a wonderful message to teach kids because not only does it um, – it probably doesn't teach them anything they don't know about themselves – um, we're often teaching kids that they haven't, you know, they may have done the right thing or the wrong thing. But what it does is it actually levels us as well. It, it tells them that as parents, we actually are on the naughty list too, is that we're not the, the model of perfection for them, um, that we need forgiveness just like they do. Um, and so that's always a wonderful thing to teach, uh, teach kids. But it is actually a, an offensive message to some. So my... Uh, I, I had someone who said, yeah, I don't like this book because it tells it, the only thing they could see from the book was that um, it said that everyone's bad. And um, the, my mum who was talking to them was saying, actually, isn't it just, isn't it about forgiveness and mercy? And, um, and she, she didn't see that you can't teach someone about the goodness of forgiveness and mercy until they come to grips with the fact that they need mercy, you know, they need forgiveness. And um, so that that had to be a part of the, the story where, you know, Santa and hopefully the reader comes to that position where they realise they actually need forgiveness too. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, good observation. So how can the Santa message be pretty bad news for boys and girls who realize that they are naughty if they have some level of reflection and awareness of their own their own soul? Yeah, um, I I I reflect on the uh, the elf on the shelf tradition that's mm. much bigger in America than it is uh, in Australia. We don't know it really much at all, but. It's it's such a you know that's just a perfect example of the uh, sort of behaviour modification way of parents relate to Santa sometimes where this thing that's keeping an eye on your kids and it will keep them good and there's a threat if they uh, if they're not good they'll you know we can talk to we'll talk to Santa and he'll find out and you'll be on the bad list or you won't get any presents this year and so I think parents may feel drawn to use it for that reason but. For kids, that that it only leaves them in two places. It either leaves them in a place of despair, um, where they know they can't actually be uh, perfectly good, um, and with no offer of the gospel, then all you're left with is is despair. Or you water down what the standard is, so you're sort of good enough, good enough to make it. So it either teaches them, um, yeah, it either teaches them moralism. And uh, you know, a sense of self righteousness, or or it leaves them in a place where they just can't meet that that standard. And I know I know of one one family where they went on a holiday. Oh no, they went out for the night, and they didn't have time to move their elf on a shelf 
um, uh, to a different spot, which is the, as probably many of your listeners will know, is the is the thing you have to yeah. do to prove to your kids that he's actually travelled to Santa and and reported how good you've been. Um, and the child was really freaking out in the morning that the elf hadn't gone back and reported because it was just <laughs> so important to them to to try and they're doing good just for this reason of just making sure they're good enough to get the presents. Yeah, so I think that's that by itself is is I think a really a sad thing to teach kids. And most of all, it then bleeds into how they think about God, I think. Um, so there's a lot of adults who think that's what the Christian message is or that's what the religious message is, is, a, uh, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, then uh, God will put you on the good list and that's all you sort of need to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting you brought up the elf on the shelf aspect because, you know, <laughs> I, I think as much as – as you point out rightfully, there's concerns in the, the at least the typical presentation of the Santa message. Uh, but I think in a lot of ways, those can be just even amplified in the elf on the shelf, you know. Uh, and I think sometimes even substantially greater in that kind of sense. Yeah, yeah I'd, uh, I'd um, encourage anyone who has a copy of the book or watches the video to keep an eye out because we included elf on the shelf. Mm -hmm. yes, there's a little Easter egg in a couple of little spots. Uh, not... Not complete, yeah. so I don't get sued. It's not actually copyright <laughs> Elf on the Shelf TM. It's uh, it's just the his name's Shelfy uh, or something like that, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a little allusion to the Elf on the Shelf because it was it's such a yeah such a perfect example of um yeah of the workspace sort of way that the the Santa mythology is turned into for for some families. Uh. And instead of the snitchy elf working to offer coal to those in the naughty list, what does the gospel offer instead? Well, the, the gospel, one, I think the gospel does inherently offer a challenge um, to those that think they're good enough. So I think the first thing it does offer is a, a challenge that for those that think they're on the, on the good list. Um, but I think many of us know that we're on the naughty list, and I think, Jesus said, you know, he didn't bother too much trying to convince those who thought they were on the good list, the, the Pharisees. Um, he didn't spend too much time trying to convince them otherwise, but he did spend a lot of time with those who knew they were on the naughty list, you know, the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and he offered a welcome and forgiveness um, to them and the offer of repentance and reconciliation. So I think that's the big thing that, the gospel offers that is different is that it offers um, one reality <laughs> and two, it offers hope. Um, so it offers hope for those who realize that they aren't good enough for God and do feel far from God, uh, that, that the Christmas message is not one of just self-improvement, but one of, uh, you know, radical change and, and God entering into our, into our world so that we can reconcile with him. Amen. Yeah, definitely. So, so, I mean, how is God's present of unearned salvation ultimately is greater than what Santa brings? And how, you know, for a kid, understand that. Yeah, I remember when I first told my, um, uh, my family that I wasn't going to teach my daughter about Santa or not going to teach her that Santa is real, 
Um, one of their responses, uh, my brother's response, was, well, you're taking away the magic of Christmas, you know, sort of um, robbing them of the magic of Christmas. And and I think um, the the great thing with the, the true message of Christmas and the gospel is that it is so much greater. It doesn't even... Mm-hmm doesn't even compare uh, with the um, you know with the, the all the, the mythology around Santa I think you can still and we'll probably discuss it you can still uh, some families can still have some Santa element in in their Christmas celebrations but but just the sheer weight of the wonder and the glory of the idea of God coming to earth in human form the incarnation and what he's come to do to reconcile us to our creator it's just so grand and beautiful it just sort of swallows up all the space um and i think for me that's i've had no problem sharing that year in year out with my daughter and having her have such a wonder about christmas and and the great thing is is that she doesn't need to lose that wonder when she gets older it's not a wonder that's just um, a sign to when you're young and you don't realise how the world works. <laughs> it's yeah. a wonder that's actually tapped into reality uh, yeah. that hopefully she'll get deeper and deeper uh, um, into and understand over the years. So so that's really wonderful to not feel like she's ever going to – there's no reason for her to lose that. That's great. That's Yeah, and, and I really like what you said and just that, that it's gripped you and that mm. you're able to pass that on and, and, and she can be caught up in that same wonder. Yeah, yeah. I don't think if if you don't have that wonder, then it's very hard to uh, to pass that on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think the the biggest heart, uh, biggest you know thing that families need to do is make sure, and parents need to do, is to make sure that they're uh, amazed by the incarnation and amazed by the story of Christmas. That that actually um, excites them, and they've responded personally to to its message as well. That's great. Yes. Uh, now, uh, looking at, instead of just the gospel, now looking at the actual message of Santa, what does the yeah. traditional message of Santa teach kids about God and human nature and your observations? Well, it depends on what you mean by the traditional message of Santa. Like, if you go back, you know, a lot of people, and this is a, this is a one tactic, you know, one way that Christians go is they go, actually, Santa's based on St. Nicholas, and yeah. he's just, the, the modern cartoonish incarnation is just a, sort of a representation of giving that we should all have and generosity and and there's something you know cute and nice and about that but the mythology that's been built over time is is definitely the the idea of uh um yeah the the naughty and nice mythology of uh you know he's he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake he knows if you've been bad or good so be good for goodness sake right? this is it's um, that's that's sort of the message that that can be communicated, uh, not just this idea of generosity, but this idea of me needing to hit this moral standard in order to get presents. Um, and generally, kids don't get asked um, around Christmas time. They don't get asked. So, how have you been generous? <laughs> uh, they, you know, <laughs> they get asked, "What are you wanting from Santa this year?" Or what did you get from Santa this year? Even my daughter gets asked that from you know strangers as we're going through the checkout at, at somewhere. Someone you know people will ask her that, 
And yeah, you sort of got to prep your kids for that sort of question. <laughs> my kids said nothing one time. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. There you go. And they're like, oh, they're looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's that's the um, yeah it, it, we I think we need to think about what messages are are communicated to our kids, and how we can, and different people will be listening to this, maybe in different parts of the world, and so you got to think about what your particular culture, what your family's way of doing it, what your community's way of doing it, what your country's way of doing it. Like Santa's celebrated differently around the world. Um, what does that communicate to your kids mm-hmm. and um. And not be naive to think that it doesn't communicate anything, like that it's just a neutral thing. Yeah. Um, so thinking wisely about that is really important. That's good. Yeah, I like the heretic punching uh, Saint Nick. Uh, that's, that's the one I can get on board with. Um, so why do you think that families today are so quick to celebrate the, the mythos surrounding Santa Claus? What? There's so, you know, that that's really, um, you'd have to ask them individually, really. To, but generally, I think partly it's just osmosis. Like, it's just, we've all just been brought up with it and it just gets passed on as a cultural a cultural thing without much thought. Um, I do think some parents use it as a, as a behavioural modification thing, like I can get my kids good for this period of time. But I think a lot of people just enjoy it like he, he santa's seen as this friendly jolly happy giving thing and so there's just no yeah don't people don't often see a problem with having that a part of christmas and the other thing is it's it's almost impossible to celebrate christmas without engaging with the um the mythology of santa yeah yeah you know the, if you go to any event or watch any event that has christmas carols um, unless it's a, a, a specifically Christian event, it will have, mm-hmm. you know, other, um, it will have Santa songs in there. Um, and so at the very least, um, we need to engage with it. Um, and I think a lot of people just find that engagement really difficult to navigate and it's just sort of a bit easier to just do what you did with your pa- your family and pass that on and and not think too much about how how or why or whether we should do these things yeah so yeah i think that's yeah i i think that's a great that's a great response to that and we have a next question that's similar about why why do so many christian families unreservedly teach their kids the true gospel because i think there are a lot of strong christian families that do the santa claus thing and all of its santa clausness uh and yet at the same time these christian families also teach the naughty or nice message of santa and is that okay for them to do that do you think Oh, I don't, it like, I, I, I've grappled with whether to, you know, how, how are we going to teach our daughter about it? How are we going to engage our daughter with the issue of Santa or the reality of Santa in our culture? Um, and I, I don't see any reason why parents should teach their kids that there literally will be a man coming down their chimney on Christmas. Christmas Eve and giving them presents based on whether they could or not. Um, I, yeah, we haven't gone down that line ourselves. We've decided to, um, uh, you know, teach our daughter that Santa is like a, 
uh, like a character like Spider-Man, you know, like a, it's it's just a character in a, in a book. Um, and uh, and so, you know, so we don't we don't make sure that there's nothing um, or that she never sees, you know, shields her eyes when we go to the shopping mall or something <laughs> like that. Um, but it's, it's you know, I, I guess it's the same thing as before is why parents do have that is, is partly it may be because they um, – they don't think that they haven't reflected enough on whether there's a conflict between those two messages um, and whether whether teaching one thing is actually undermining the other. And so it's it's a good thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just easier not to uh, and just yeah. to kind of goes through. So how can the focus on Santa displace Christ on, you know, one of the few days that the world actually kind of touches on celebrating Jesus in some, even if it's in a remote way. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, um, well, I think it's similar to what I was saying before in terms of the idea of uh, the celebrations around Christmas and the true message of Christmas can, needs to be so, needs to be big in our minds and big in our families and big in our homes. Uh, and I think what Santa, the story of Santa, Santa does is sort of fill the void so when you don't have that as a big part, then we look for ways of engaging our kids with something fun and magical and all that sort of stuff. And Santa's an easy thing to fill that fill that void. So on one level, it's uh, it could be seen that Santa's sort of encroaching, like shadowing over Christ. But I don't think of it that way. I think of it more that people don't see how big Christ is, and so and when you do, Santa gets pushed out. Um, uh, so it's not like we need to push back Santa. It's just we need to have a much bigger Christ in our homes and our celebrations, and and there just is no, just there isn't the need for to have as much Santa stuff um, when that's the when that's the truth. Yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, before I ask the next question, uh, I I think it's interesting as much as uh, really I think all of us have been very clear in our personal opinions and how we navigate this with our family. Uh, one thing I really appreciate about the book is it really doesn't uh, put uh, draw a line in the sand on that in in a lot of ways, and I think that's really great that it doesn't say you know this book is not just for those who that you know don't teach their kids that Santa exists, and said it's for every Christian that navigates that complex issue. Uh, so with that stated, should we just throw our Santa stuff in the fireplace, you know, get rid of it all, uh, help us burn a, a warmer fire for the winter? Uh, or can Christian <laughs> families use these Christmas icons? Like I would I would encourage Christian homes to to minimize as much as possible um, the, the Santa stuff. Uh, like I, I wouldn't um, make sure that you – you know, you tell everyone don't ever put a Santa image on a Christmas wrapping for my child or, or something like that. <laughs> uh, you don't have to be uh, that uh, that removed. Um, but at the same time, I don't encourage, I, I don't add more into our into our home celebrations. We put make sure all the focus is on Christ um, and the Christmas story. And there's just so many ways you can engage your children uh, and your churches with with that. So I, so I don't think you have to uh, throw it all out. I do know it, my wife and I are different in our, um, in our childhood upbringing. So I was brought up with Santa was real, right? And I, so I had that 
that crushing moment where I looked out the window and saw my dad making the slide for my younger brother that he then got <laughs> from for Santa the next day. <laughs> um, and so uh, when the, the, you know, the bubble was burst and, um, and so I had that experience, the common experience, whereas my, my wife, her experience, she had Santa growing up, but she always knew it was her parents. It was just a game that her parents, you know, they, they played and she, and so it was no illusion that Santa wasn't her parents. Uh, so there was no waiting to see if Santa will be on the rooftop and all that sort of thing. Um, but there was also no concern about, you know, um, uh, love from Santa. They knew it was love from mum and dad. And so it was much more of just a, just a relaxed game, uh, a way of expressing the parents' love for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they use that character in that way. And I actually, I actually think that's, that's pretty fine. Um, as long as Christ isn't, you know, lost in that. But yeah, so I, I don't think you have to um, burn all your Santa stuff. Uh, but I like what you said. You, how do we, you know, can we use Santa? I actually think that's that word "use" is probably the key, and uh, especially for not so much how we engage with our own children, but how we engage with our culture. Using Santa um, is such a, a such an iconic element of Christmas is um, there's such an opportunity there. Um, I just got a message the other day from a church in Kentucky um, that's bought over 300 books and they're going to do a photo with Santa, free photo with Santa, you know, thing at their church and they're going to print out the photo, then put it in the book and give it as a gift to their children. Uh, to the children who come to their church to get a photo with Santa. Um, and I know a professional Santas in in America, especially the professional Santa scene is big. You guys, they take it <laughs> definitely seriously. They've got like Santa conferences about how to do it properly. <laughs> um, and there's a subset of that group um, of professional Santas that are Christian, that are really focused on trying to make sure Christ is the focus of Christmas as they go around as a professional Santa. Um, and in that community, this book's been discovered and they're using the book to give, give away and, you know, people who are already interested in Santa then can be linked to the gospel through that. So I just think of it as it is a reality of part of our culture. And so if we, think it's okay to use elements of our culture like, um, you know, pop culture references and, and this and that in order to share the gospel, then um, then that's how I'd encourage people to think about how can they use this uh, Santa story as a way, how can they think creatively about um, using it as a way to share the gospel? That's a, that's a nuanced answer, and I appreciate that. That's interesting about the, the conventions. I, I, I mean, I knew that there's a lot of – Santa's around, but uh, I didn't know that there, it was that yeah. big. I yeah. thought there was just an Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas movie in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so, Simon, what are some other ways that we can redirect our kids into magnifying Christ through the winter festivities or, in your case, summer yeah, activities? Summer that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think – well. I, for me, uh, what I do with my daughter is engaging her with the Christmas story. 
So we, you know, so a lot of people use advent calendars and uh, things that you can do each each you know day of of the the month of December, um, and we do that. Uh, and each we've got one where it's a, like a little wooden house, and there's little drawers in each one uh, for each day of the month leading up to Christmas. And in each drawer is a little little Bible verse, which we then read. So we read a part of the story. Um, we make big of a – we invested – in our family, we invested in a really beautiful nativity set that takes a while to set up. Um, so that's actually a really lovely moment for us to, to build that and it becomes a real feature in our home. Um, and, yeah, and I think you just keep – you keep talking about it as, you know, that sort of Deuteronomy – principle of you know talk about it when you're sitting and lying down that uh, that all of the gospel the way we pass it on to our kids is is not thinking that it's just oh well, what's the the program that we do or what's the this and that and that'll just inject them with the gospel like um you know like some sort of um uh, medicine that we give them but it's just something that we marinate in uh, day in day out um and yeah, and so Christmas is a time where you can marinate your home in those great truths of of Christ coming and uh, and what He came for and who He was, and they're just so big ideas that there's just never-ending things you can do creatively um, with your kids. But especially, yeah, just use as many creative tools as you can. If your kids are into dress-ups, then dress up with them. If they're into craft, then make craft with them. You know, if they're into sport, then do something active with them to reenact things and just engage their imaginations um, and, yeah, just let them um, keep asking those questions and uh, engaging them with the story. Fantastic. Very good. Now, uh, last question is, how can listeners purchase your book or learn more about your ministry? And before you answer it, I do want to really ask also with that, before I uh, we recorded this a couple of days ago, I was on your blog and I saw you have a um, something like when Santa shared the gospel, an interaction between Santa and the Easter Bunny. I loved it. Honestly, I might show it to our youth ministry. Uh, and, uh, when is that coming out in book form? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you can, um, you can, all your listeners can petition my publisher to uh, to take it on, um, but uh, but that was that was just an inspiration because the story finishes with him going off to share the gospel with the world, and so I went, oh, what what would he do next? And so I I thought it might be funny to have him go to his his best friend, the Easter Bunny, and uh, try to share the gospel with him. Um, and and it turns out that the Easter Bunny's sort of a closet Christian who's been trying to use all these subtle ways of sharing the gospel over the years through hot cross buns and um, a variety of things. Uh, and, and, and so that one's more of a message, whereas when Santa learned the gospel is a message um, to those who don't know the gospel, uh, maybe when Santa shared the gospel is a message to Christians to just feel uh, bold and comfortable in being yourself and getting out there and sharing the gospel. But, yeah, if people are interested in the book, uh, the website's really easy. It's just santagospel.com. And from there, you can link, uh, you can watch the video of the book. Um, uh, one of the big things we did spend a lot of time last year is producing a whole bunch of uh, resources that we offer free so that churches can use the book or other things um, uh, for their Christmas carols events. 
so we made a video. We uh, I wrote a song. Um, we've got a, a like a little skit version of the book. We've got uh, a whole range of things that people can use. Um, but that's all at yeah soundagospel.com. And um, and you know bug your local Christian bookstore if they don't have it. Uh, but you can go to our publisher in the states as well um, at tenofthose.com is the publisher so that's 10 with the number 10 of those.com that i've got the book wonderful well thank you so much for your time simon uh this was a really great discussion and we're really blessed that uh, you volunteered your time for this uh, my pleasure it's been great to talk to you thanks wonderful yeah we just appreciate your insight and in, in thinking critically about how to live as people who were in the darkness but how to live as the light in the middle of that and, and using the gifts that god's given you so thank you brother Amen. thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please give us a review on itunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media all new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.